Well, friends, welcome back to The Backhanders. We're bringing you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam, and of course, we are unafraid to slam tennis. My name is Lightning, and with me, a man whose diligent research for this year's US Open resulted in him eating a Big Apple. Cutters, how was it? Lightning, it lived up to all expectations. Uh, I must admit, I feel that we have drifted, my friend. It's been a long time since we've spoken about tennis, and I've been pining, I've been yearning for the great sport of tennis. You know that freshly cut grass that as you walk out, the freshly painted Mm. lines, the pomp and ceremony of a Grand Slam, I miss Mm. that. I've been walking around, Mm. I've been clutching a tube of Wilson tennis balls in my hand and I've just been sniffing in the toxins that they spray onto those balls. (laughs) A la Pringles, once you pop, you cannot stop my friend, I tell you now. And... (laughs) In spite of some of the strange looks I've been getting at the uh, urinal, for example, and uh, and last week at the confessional with my priest, just sitting there sniffing balls, getting in the mood, getting pumped for the US slam, my friend. Cutters, it's great to hear. A little bit worried you haven't heeded the warning. You're not supposed to be popping balls at confessionals these days. But, um... <laughs> haven't the times changed? Or have they? I will wait for that royal inquiry. The reality is lightning. I don't know a lot about the US Open. It tended Mm. to happen in the middle of the night as we were growing up. I always thought of it as the poor man's hard court slam. (laughs) There was only room for one hard court slam in my eyes, and that was the Australian Open. Sure. So I was like, what's so interesting about this US Open? We would go to bed, we'd wake up, someone had won, someone had lost. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's, that was. That was my level of insight of the US Open, and I hope to bring that in forthcoming episodes. <laughs> yes, no doubt you will. I mean, there's an irony there, Cutters, and that is, whilst that was our perception, you right there, or are you just... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cutters is just at the candy bar at the moment, so... The effects of the chemicals of sniffing balls for the last six weeks has resulted in what can only be said as type 2 diabetes, I believe they technically refer to it. Um, So I'm just getting a little sugar kick on, my friend. Um, And it's not Sugar Pover. You'll be happy to know this podcast is not sponsored by Sugar Pover because the jury's out as to whether that is an illicit substance that resulted in her two-year ban from tennis. (laughs) Well, before you ducked off to the candy bar, Catters, I was just about to suggest that you've highlighted an irony, and that is that whilst from out looking in at the US Open, we don't know much about it, but from the inside looking out for those folks in America, in the US of A, for them it's a huge deal. It's a massive deal. This is their Open to the point where most American tennis fans actually have no idea there's three other Opens. Right. That is news to most tennis fans. They actually thought that a Grand Slam was other people's description of their own Open. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And actually, I think if you look closely, you'll see, Lightning, that they don't even include the punctuation. There is no period after the U and the S. So it is essentially the Us Open, which would make (laughs) a lot of sense the way they view it. The Us Open, as it will now be called here on the back end. I mean, the Us Open. I mean, we're talking about an Open that is big 
and brash and loud. Everything's big. They, they sing the national anthem at each change of ends. Players get red carpet entrance with brass bands. It's all bigger. In fact, the courts, I think it's about 25% bigger. It makes sense. You know, there's a big sort of slushy, slurpy kind of disposer at the end of tennis court so you can get yourself a slurpy and change of ends. The, the net's made of bling. Everything's big. It's loud. It's lights. It, it, it's noise. That's the us open. Do you reckon they, you know, when those players dive in their bags for a banana at the change of ends that, that a ball kid comes over and deep fries it for them? <laughs> Absolutely. It is a harder court, isn't it, as well? I remember mm. there was a battle for who had the harder court mm. between the US and the Australian Open. So it would make sense that the, the US has just gone, you know, we're going to just make our surface even harder. Yeah, they play on cement. It's just straight asphalt. <laughs> oh, the Arthur Asphalt Stadium. Yeah, I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, as, as we've suggested, Cadiz, there is so much to be excited for in this US Open. But I'm sure there's more. I want to hear more about what you're pumped about and looking forward to and anticipating. So the best way to do that is through the next segment that is Come On. Do you regret not apologising for hitting him with the ball in the third Why would I apologise? Why would I apologise? I want for it. I mean, dude's got how many slams? How much money in the bank account? I think he can take a ball to the chest, bro. So, Catters, the Us Open is upon us. What are you most excited about? Well, Lightning, I hate to sound generic here, but I'm excited about women's tennis, the sport of women's tennis. I've narrowed it down 50% and just taken that (laughs) angle. But never before, and I've spoken to a lot of historians in the last couple of weeks, uh, I cannot tell you how much sleep I've been deprived since sniffing that Wilson Ball chemical. And all of them have agreed with me. Yes, Catters, you are right. There has never been a more wide open field going into the US Open. Mm. And can you stop calling me at 3am? My (laughs) wife needs some sleep. So women's tennis is open. I love the idea that, you know, all of these different women from different backgrounds who all have a dream of, of getting a title under their belt, winning perhaps in many cases their first Grand Slam, that is a possibility. Mm. I would even encourage you, if you have a daughter, a sister, a mother who is interested in swinging a racket and getting interested in the sport of tennis, sign them up for a wildcard because it is anybody's tournament coming up. And if I need to dangle a little carrot, more than just the fact that you get to claim a piece of silverware on Arthur Ashfelt Stadium, it's the fact that you will get the moolah, the bling bling, my friends. I'm sounding all very Oprah because it's the us open. Check under your seat. You might have a trophy. And I just checked the Forbes richest sports women list that they just published. And I'm happy to announce that of the top 10, all 10 spots were occupied by tennis players. So if there was any doubt of whether it is valid as a parent to use and abuse your child and push them into the sport at a young age, I think it's validated by the commercial market. Capitalism tells me that this is a good move. So I am flying the flag for strict parenting and getting those kids signed up. So again, I will send out the link as part of the show notes for this episode. Wildcards. There's probably two or three. There's a lot of you. Fight to the death. <laughs> Lightning, what are you excited about at the moment? I'm excited about the Greek god 
Tsitsipas. I think he's back, Cutters. Mm. He's been coming for a while. Itsy Tsitsi is coming. He's been in terrific nick, albeit he went out first round in the most recent tournament. But he and Curios fought an incredible semi final in Washington, D.C. He's recovered some of his best form. So. The Australian Open, they named the Suvlaki after him here in Melbourne. I think there's a plethora of other food industries that are lining up to rename food after him. Mm. I'm picturing Tsitsipasta. I'm tipping a whole range of anti-Tsitsipasto coming out. <laughs> I reckon the branding we're about to see when this bloke fulfills the potential that is within him, it's coming, Catters. It's coming. My only concern, Lightning, is in light of what we spoke about earlier with the Americans being rather inward focused. Mm. I'm just concerned that they won't have heard where he actually comes from. Will they think Sitsipas comes from Greece the Musical? Uh, <laughs> and how did he manage to transfer those singing and dancing skills over to tennis? I mean, he, he'll probably capture the hearts and imaginations of those afay with Broadway over there. <laughs> It's true, Cutters. They're, they're wondering how John Travolta's grown a mo in such a short time. But I believe his box are actually dressed as the T-Birds to help kind of get people on side. So, uh, yeah, it's a terrific call, Cutters. It's a terrific call. This forehand is automatic. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And I think the trophy is just Sandra D. I believe if he wins the open, so that's that's worth playing. He gets a trophy girlfriend. They make a <laughs> slight adjustment in his case. Cadiz, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, but after Wimbledon, he flopped. He did not do well, and this is the intensity of the man that we're starting to come to terms with, starting to hear about. Apparently, and this is true, he locked himself in a room for three days and read books on a self-imposed retreat. Wow. How's that? So disappointed with his with his form. So apparently, I think it must have been a swimsuit magazine or something else he was able to read <laughs> and went through it cover to cover. Um, I think he had to change ends a couple of times. Uh, so I don't think it, it improved his tennis much, but it certainly gave him a few more ideas for some of his post-tennis modelling career. But apparently he, he got biographies of Roger Federer. Wow. And spent time reading about the psychology, the man, because he wants to emulate him. The levels he's going to to take his game to the next level. So apparently he came out of that realising the secret to um, beat Federer, and that is just to pretend that you're Djokovic and Nadal and he'll just drop like a sack of potatoes at their feet. So that's, <laughs> I believe, what he'll be intending to do the next time he plays either of those two. Did he come out of that room at any point to go to the bathroom or was he so committed that he actually walked out wearing the outfit that Federer donned for the French <laughs> Open this year? <laughs> It would not surprise me if he came out looking like that large brown turd. I would not be surprised at all, Cutters. Would not be surprised at all. That's borderline stalking, isn't it, really? To know more about your opponent than he probably knows about himself with all these unauthorized biographies. It's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. I think him asking for the Federer twins to call him daddy was just a, a step too far. <laughs> But that's the intensity he brings, and that's what I'm excited about. I mean, this mm. we've had all these little next-geners that have just been bowing at the feet of them. Well, this guy's not bowing at the feet of them. He's jumping in the pants of Federer. I mean, this is just not wanting to bow to them, but literally wanting to be them. Yes. So I say, I say watch out. 
The only other story that people may not have heard about uh, in the interim between Wimbledon and US was the shoe incident, the classic Tsitsipas shoe incident. Mm. Um, so in a match with Curios, an incredible match worth watching the highlights of, he, he, he kept having the laces of his shoes come apart to the point where he sent his shoes and some laces up into the stands so that his box could put the laces back together and then re-bag them and then send them back onto court via Curios for him to then try out and, um, and, and re-go again. He couldn't even get these laces going. So I don't know what the hell's the go with that. I don't know how hard it is to, to have your shoes stay on, but I say there's clearly a marketing opportunity there. I say ASICs. It's time for the Tsitsipasics. Tsitsipats, <laughs> it's good. So I actually thought the sponsorship opportunity would have been for Crocs. Just keep it simple. <laughs> Don't worry about how you look. <laughs> you can also garden in them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think too, as the match progressed, he just got that little bit sneakier. So it started by sending shoes up to his box. I think later he was then sending up some of his undone tax returns. <laughs> uh, I believe he sent up some laundry at different points up into the box to get folded and sent back down. So, you know, he's, he's a smart thinker. He's a clever thinker, this Tsitsipas. We don't know whether there's some sort of prearranged code connected to that where by when his father laces his shoes a certain way it means you know go to the back end more it was a bit suspicious when the cake arrived and he dug into <laughs> it and pulled out a, a gold lace racket uh that would then take down <laughs> curios so we should have been tipped off yeah it wasn't a good look that he had a magnifying glass reading the soles of his shoes for a, an extended <laughs> period of time <laughs> So in a nutshell, Catters, I'm excited about Tsitsipas. But there's one man who has shown promise, we've been excited about, but who's had a tough time. I feel we need to mention him. His name is Zvarev, a perennial poo down. Do we have to talk about him? This is a, a come on section. This is about people we're excited about. That man is dead to me. I, I know. I just feel he warrants a minute's silence. Well, maybe what we're excited about is the options that now await Ivan Lendl, the, the coach from which he has split from since we've last talked to you, dear listeners. So oh, that's apparently right. for Ivan Lendl, uh, the coaching regime compromised his golf game. Uh, I believe when he signed up to the job, he wasn't aware that it required work. So as has been reported, uh, Zvarev hammered him and just basically said he does nothing. He comes onto the court and he just all he just spends time talking about he taking his puppies out, which I think is coincidentally the same thing people are saying about Eugenie Bouchard. <laughs> Shocking! How dare you, Zverev? How dare you badmouth Ivan Lendl? <laughs> he is a legend. He does not need to talk about anything other than golf and puppies. You should just be just by just by. I was going to say being on court with him, but you can't even say that about him. Just by being in the same continent as him. Just by answering his phone calls very occasionally. Exactly. You should just be through osmosis sucking in the legend status. It doesn't matter what Ivan says. And this is a massive blow for everybody who's wanted to work from home. This is a bad example of it going wrong. Ivan is well within his rights to just take it easy and... Uh, and coached by text, and I'm just shattered that this hasn't worked out. I, I know. Unsurprisingly, Lightning, I have to f lay the blame at the feet of that big galoof of a man, uh, <laughs> Sasha Zverev. In his defence, Ivan Lendl is a reasonably lazy man. 
Uh, <laughs> he's, he's not one who, who tends to do things. He's a man who's so lazy he couldn't even be bothered putting in the required vowels in his surname. So I, 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 I sympathise with Sasha in this, in this respect. Lendl is not an enthusiastic guy. So I just love the fact that he's found passions in life. He's found golf. He's found being a dog owner. And he's excited about it. Zverev, why you gotta be a hater? Stop hating on him. Just be happy that someone sees enough potential in you to take a check from you month in, month out whilst watching you fall from grace at a rapid speed like a meteorite. Just be happy. I know. I just let him stay at home with his three dogs, Connors, Borg and McEnroe, and just enjoy life. I believe he named them such because they were his bitches during the peak of his career. (laughs) First question for Nick. Going to the pub last night. Do you think you could have played a bit better if you had No. You look way too excited to ask that question. You must have a really boring life. Dear listeners, it's now time for a favourite segment here on the podcast. It's Fed Up, it's Poo Down. Who, as we come into the Us Open, who are the surprising upcomers? Who are, who's emerging in the, the great footsteps of Federara? And who is sliding down that potential track? of uh, Mark the Poo Philippus's catters. Who's your fed up? Who's your poo down? Lightning, my fed up is someone that you highlighted, I think we both highlighted earlier this year. She Mm. was on a furious run through the early WTA tournaments this year, Bianca Andreescu. She is something else. And then she Mm. succumbed to an injury. Was it a shoulder injury I think she had? Yeah, shoulder injury. Took her out for a while and she's back now and she is... She's just really something else. She's only 19 years old. Yeah. She's a phenomenal talent, and she has actually just won the Canadian Open on her home turf. Mm. She is known for bringing the drama, and I tell you what, the drama she brings, it's legit. I think your friend uh, Angelique Kerber, she should have just named and claimed the fact that when they shook hands the other week or the other month, when she said, you're such a drama queen, that's a compliment. I think Andreescu wears that as a badge of honor. Mm, Every mm. match she plays seems to go to three sets. It seems to have just the drama that we associate with good tennis. She comes from positions where she has no right snatching victories, and she does it time in, time out. And it was only sad that she won the final in Montreal, or Toronto, actually, this one was. Toronto, yeah. She won it in Toronto by Serena retiring because mm. Serena was injured at 3-1 up to Andreescu. And it's just a shame that we didn't get to see her really hammer it out with the greatest of all time in the final because Mm. she can match it with the best of them. So Andreescu is definitely my fed up. I think she would arguably go in as the red hot favorite for the US Open. She certainly doesn't fear anybody. It's a great call, Cutters. She became the first Canadian since 1969 to win the title there. She in doing so, beat Kiki Burton's, a number five in the world, Pliskova, number three in the world. Check out this, Gatters. Her top 10 record currently is 7 0. She has not lost to a top 10 player. Who has that record? It's just incredible. So she is now 14 in the world, up from 27. I think your comment around her being one of the favourites for the US, for, for the US Open, w- would be fairly justified. And and for me personally, I was a little premature in my Wimbledon predictions for her, uh, tipping her as a dark horse <laughs> despite her not being entered in the tournament. So, look, I'm a little bit more bullish now that she's 
actually out of the doctor's surgery and entered in the tournament. So <laughs> feeling pretty, well, certainly much more confident. No, I think it's a fair point. And you definitely did redefine the term dark horse uh, by <laughs> choosing someone who was under general anesthesia at the time. Yeah. <laughs> And halfway to the glue factory. You're dead right, Cutters. You're dead right. <laughs> exactly. You've inspired me to put up Billie Jean King as my dark horse coming this <laughs> us open. And lightening my poo down. Again, a very current reference. One, Marit Safin, mm. who some of you will remember as uh, the winner of the US Open in 2000. Fantastic Russian player, mm. both on and off the court, if you believe the rumors. Just a, an almighty <laughs> pimp of a man. I'm taking aim at him because he's disappointed me. I mean, we all know that when you've been a slave to tennis all your life for your career, you then need to be a slave to tennis in your (laughs) post-retirement. You need to be a commentator. You need to sell rackets door to door, whatever's required to continue to further the sport. But I'll direct your attention to Marit Safin's Instagram, which you can find by searching his profile, Fly Monkey Russ. <laughs> Fly Monkey R-U-S. Uh, the flying Russian monkey uh, on his Instagram. He's been doing a an itsy-sitsy style search for meaning in life. Right. He honestly looks like a British backpacker during a gap year, except in his case, he's earned a cool $50 million and has decided to make his gap year last his entire three decades post-retirement. He is living it up. He just goes from beach to beach to cathedral to cathedral. He just posted a couple of days ago that he's reading the book The Stormy Search for the Self, which looks like some sort of slightly occultic self-help book where there is actually a flaming Pegasus on the front cover, which is probably a tattoo he's also got on his inner arm by the looks of it, shirtless. Um, How dare you, Marit Safin, try and find a life outside of tennis, try Mm. and break the shackles of the bubble. You need to get back to the sport and invest back in it and um, be a slave to the sport of tennis. Well said, well said. Stop running these Kentucky tours for the Djokovic family. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Having said that, if I did get an email offering me a travel discount from Flying Monkey Russia, (laughs) I probably would think it was spam. (laughs) How about you, Lightning? For me, my fed up is not someone we featured much on the podcast to date. It's Daniil Medvedev, who's now the number eight player in the world, uh, another Russian to follow on from your Safin uh, comments, Uh, a 23-year-old who is just on fire. So he, only this last weekend, has taken out Djokovic in the final in Cincinnati, uh, which is actually his second win on the trot against the Joker. Who can say that these days? Prior to that, he was the runner-up at Washington. He was the runner-up there to, to Curios. And then he was the runner-up to Rafael Nadal in Montreal. He he won 15 matches in 19 days. So absolutely unheard of. I don't think any player has won that amount um, since... Uh, Curios won uh, that many on his FIFA Xbox, I believe, quite recently. So, uh, so this brat pack of next gen are finally putting some form together. You know, Medvedev. We've talked about Tsitsipas. Some of these guys are coming. Do you know Medvedev? Happy to see what evolves for you. I, I'm not happy with the overuse of vowels 
in your first name, uh, Daniil, the, the double pairing of the eyes, uh, I think... Uh, it's unnecessary. It's frivolous. It's unnecessary. I mean, it starts off strongly with Dan, uh, but then it really fades out and is a jumbled mess, just as the next generation often is against the big three. So perhaps it's fitting. But you've got to admire someone who looks like Beaker from the Muppets and uh, has a girl's name and yet can still make it to the big time. So it's a story of persistence. <laughs> The odds were really stacked against him, weren't exactly. they? Exactly. If he was redheaded, he would never have even got out of bed. But he, uh, you know, <laughs> he's made it onto the court and he's winning some matches. So, Lightning, good choice for your fed up. Who is your poo down? You know, it was a tough one. Curios. I mean, um, we didn't have to look far, <laughs> did we, Cutters? I mean, this bloke. If you press the pause button every two days, you would be telling a different story about this man. That's very true. Sir Nick Curios. He has had the epic highs and the lowest of lows. He recently won a tournament, Washington, D.C. He was incredible. He was on fire. He was untouchable. He's taking out quality players, one of which was Medvedev. It was Tsitsipas. He was unbelievable. He ended up saying, uh, and here's his quote, post-tournament, he said, this was the best week of my life. And here's the reasons after he won a tennis tournament. Here were his reasons for having such a good time. I started becoming friends with the smoothie guy. He knew what smoothie I wanted. I was playing ping pong with some kids before I'm playing. You guys are amazing. It was honestly a week to remember. Is that serious? That is a serious word for word (laughs) Nick Curios quote. His highlight was that the smoothie guy knew what smoothie he wanted. Had he just won the Washington tennis tournament or had he been at a kid's party for the week? I mean, seriously, how easily pleased is this guy? (laughs) Well, exactly, exactly. So, Kat, at this point, if you're pressing pause at this point, commentators are starting to go, he is about to deliver in spades. He's got past his mental demons. He is about to fulfill all the potential that he's in this ridiculously talented body. The sky's the limit. Within... A day, this bloke had totally capitulated. He's calling an umpire a potato with arms, the same umpire whose hat he had previously critiqued. He's just gone a whole nother level and called him an inanimate object or or a spud with arms. Did you see the guy? (laughs) It's, It's true. Perhaps it was warranted. Perhaps he was in a vegetative state. I don't know. He then goes on an absolute tirade. It starts with a challenge around time violations and how much time he's taking between serves. He, without any permission, says, I'm going for a toilet break, takes two rackets, walks off the court, unseen by the umpire, and smashes said rackets out of the view of the umpire and uh, camera, walks back onto court with two shanked rackets. (laughs) Uh, He then later spits at the umpire, calls him an effing tool and takes home fines of upwards of 166,000 Australian dollars. Unbelievable. For that money, I would have lost my house. Curios didn't even lose any sleep. Okay, firstly, you're exaggerating. By using the Australian currency, I mean, the US dollars, what was it? 130,000? 113, yeah. It's not that bad, okay? (laughs) Secondly... Nobody ever said that you have to go and take a dump during your toilet break. Plus, what's to say that he didn't act 
actually just have a violent case of diarrhea and shattered two rackets in the process. What goes on in that cubicle is his business and his business only. Um, Spitting at the umpire, okay, look, these things happen in the world of sport. I'm not going to defend it. I'm not going to – look, that's a $5,000 fine maximum. The numbers just don't add up for me, Lightning. Okay, so you're suggesting maybe he was just trying to pronounce some of his Greek cousin's names or something. (laughs) Exactly. It was disproportionate. He was actually dry reaching because he was having withdrawals from a lack of contact with Smoothie Man. And who could blame him? (laughs) I mean, seriously, Kat, it's $166,000 – that's a lot of money. for. Uh, I think he had five separate offences, four unsportsmanlike fines. So I think at the end of that, he actually pulled out his frequent fighter card and had it stamped. <laughs> so the next time he gets an unsportsmanlike fine, he gets a free donut. I mean, this is getting serious. <laughs> Something I didn't touch on, Catters, is three times in a row when he's on his incredible streak of winning Washington, when he got to match point, he has created a new Mortal Kombat move, a finishing move. Right, where he walks over to a member of the crowd and asks them where I should serve the ball before then walking back onto court and hitting it where the player wants him to three times in a row. And we're talking quarterfinal, semifinal, final. It worked. So he's going and getting tips from members of the crowd. It's an incredible moment. It's this sticking it up a, a player who's down a match point and his bloke's going and getting some coaching tips from randoms in the front row. Which is a brilliant but dangerous tactic because if he does proceed with his relationship with Eugenie Bouchard, she might eventually be sitting in the front row and that is one person you do not want strategic <laughs> tennis advice from. The finishing move does sum up everything that he's about. It is like watching wrestling. Yes. It's like playing to the crowd. How do you want me to finish him off? You know, in the modern day Coliseum, it is pure drama and I absolutely love it. And even in that match where he melted down and broke two rackets the other day, Mm. the fact that he was then spending his time re-gripping a racket and on court, the umpire's like, Nick, we need to start playing. And he's like, just serve it. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) And he's he's literally standing with half a racket that he's trying to re-grip uh, where what was he going to presumably just kick the ball back or headbutt it? Like he had nothing ready. He's got swagger. This boy, he has swagger. Oh man, he is one peacock. Our friend Nick Curios, a man who makes John McEnroe look like Pope Francis. He is <laughs> unbelievable. But sadly, at this point in time, Catters, he is my poo down. Please don't patronise me. I, I would have. No, no, you are. In the way you're I'm asking, your, in the way you're asking your question, you are being quite disrespectful, and you are patronising me. I'm a professional competitor who did her best today. Catters, it's been too long. We haven't had a wild card segment for a while. I love this segment, a segment where you offer us a, a, a rare, hidden, historical anecdote that throws some light on an otherwise unknown phenomenon. Catters, what is it this time? Yes, Lightning. I've done a bit of research because I was very curious about the history of Flushing Meadows. It's not a place that I'm very familiar with. And I stumbled upon a gem, I tell you now. Lightning, are you aware that underneath the US Open precinct, there is an 800-pound tube buried 50 feet below the surface that was buried there in 1939 as a time capsule that will not be opened until 6,939. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> what? What is in this time capsule? It includes some cigarettes, seeds of wheat, corn, alfalfa, and other elements preserved in inert argon and nitrogen gas to remain intact for the next 5,000 years, only to be uncovered in the year 6,939. I believe uh, Venus's birth certificate was put in it as well (laughs) in 39. Exactly. It will be dug up uh, to commemorate Roger Federer's retirement, (laughs) uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. I've feel as though people have been had a little. I'm sensing it's just a nuclear waste dumping zone. <laughs> and people say, oh, no, no, you can't go near it for 6,000 years. You've really just got to leave it alone. Uh, it's all right. You know, in 6,000 years, we're really well worth it. Come back then. We'll talk more. Yeah. We'll um, smoke those cigarettes together. And I tell you what, <laughs> it will have been worth the wait. Well, it's funny you should mention that it could be a nuclear site because... The former name for Flushing Meadows was actually the Ash Dump. Right. I would like to see them combine the historic name to celebrate the past and the current name and just call it Flushing Ash Dump. Uh- <laughs> Cutter's super tiebreak time. Uh, our predictions. Looking forward to the US Open. Who are you picking? Well, Lightning, like I said, I'm going in blind. The research team really let me down on this one, <laughs> namely the fact that we don't have one. Um, so all of my emails to the said research team has just been bouncing back, uh, which has been really disheartening. So I'm going in a little bit without much knowledge. I know it's a hard court. So with that sort of expertise intact and knowing that the surface shouldn't be disrupted by the time capsule dig up, the great dig up of 6,900, which will not affect this year's Open. I'm going to go for Andrescu as the women's champion. I think she looks good. She has that record against the top 10. She fears nobody. I love a bit of drama. Let's face it, Americans love a bit of drama. Mm. New York, in the evenings, center stage. Can't think of anyone better to take out the title. Mm. For the men's, it gives me no pleasure in saying this lightning, but I have a feeling that Rafa Nadal is going to take it off. Wow. He is the raging bull coming into this. He looked unstoppable. If he can remain intact, he tends to get a lot more injuries on the hard court. And He does, yeah. Let's see if he can get through the tournament. But I find that he will be very, very hard to beat. Andresco Nadal double. Kat, as I also have some bad news, I struggle to look past the Joker. I would dearly love Fed to sneak one. I believe Wimbledon was his last genuine crack. The Joker looks really fresh after his eighth consecutive month on holidays. <laughs> so he did just lose recently to a, a red-hot Medvedev. But I believe he might complete the Grand Slam by winning the US Open. Uh, of course, the, the Grand Slam being... Uh, the uh, it's the backhanders grand slam which is the grand slam okay. minus the french open which i have no interest <laughs> in being included perfect and i look forward to him bending down if he does win and trying to munch on some arthur ash uh <laughs> so that'll be a, a great sight to see him give a, a winning speech with a cut up beard uh, of blood and asphalt 
having sharpened his having sharpened his fangs on the uh, extra hard surface of Arthur Ashe. And he may actually also get too close to some of the radiation uh, beaming through the surface as he does it. So, um, you know, this could be the last time we ever see the Djokovic. So, but my dark horse, I reckon Tsitsipas. I reckon if Joker's my main mm. tip, I just feel as though it's possible that, that there's an up-and-comer that's, that's going to dethrone. We've said it for 12 consecutive years now. But at some point, someone's going to knock off the big three. So I'm going to keep saying it. And one of these years, I'm going to be right. And I'm going to wrap up that archival audio footage, put it in a time capsule, bury it in the ground, and in 5,000 years' time, people are going to dig it up and believe I was some kind of tennis Ostradamus. And I look forward greatly to that day. So... That is a, a very, very stable plan from a very, very stable mind. <laughs> On the women's side, you know, Kat is, I don't know how likely it is, but I've got a feeling, and that is Serena Williams. Now, I genuinely believe this is her last crack. She was extraordinary in some of the recent matches. She did pull out of the final in Toronto. Before that, she took out Osaka, her first win against Osaka. I believe... Mm. It was an absolute smashing. She was in red hot form, and some of the movement that we felt had evaded her was returning. I believe it was only her 24th match for the year. Unbelievable. Wozniacki had played that by February. (laughs) Most of them in tournaments neither of us have ever heard of to maintain some points to let her sneak into the top 100. But for Serena, 24 matches by the middle of the year. Extraordinary. But I, I feel... All the the energy she'll have, a feeling this is the last genuine roll of the dice. I wonder whether it might get her over the edge. So she's my my top pick and my little dark horse, Simona Halep. It's not that left of centre in that she did just win Wimbledon, but strangely enough, no one is talking about her, even though she conquered the world a month ago. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if she also threatens this tournament. I had forgotten that we were doing dark horses, so I... Oh, yes. I must throw mine in, which is uh, funny you should say Serena Williams as your pick because my dark horse is uh, Margaret Court. In the spirit of you <laughs> selecting Andreescu to come out of general anesthesia, I'm predicting <laughs> Margaret Court to just take back power into her own hands and <laughs> put a gap between her and Serena. <laughs> Like the proverbial time capsule buried beneath the surface, she will rise again. (laughs) And for my men's dark horse, I'm throwing out St. Nick. I think Kyrgios is showing all the signs of a psychopath, uh, but also showing the signs of somebody who could snatch an unlikely victory after a fortnight of what will be compelling viewing. Oh, wow. Wow. BYO Tal. Uh, BYO Extra Rackets, uh, BYO Smoothie Operator. Just <laughs> if he can just keep his team together. And uh, and I believe he's got a good luck charm, namely, well, two of them actually. Is he dating both Bouchard twins? It has been rumored that perhaps Beatrice Bouchard, twin of, twin of Eugenie, uh, may well be... In the mix uh, with some American doubles, perhaps. Um, <laughs> no, I don't believe Ooh, it's, la, la. I don't believe it's American doubles, but I believe Beatrice is the is the tip uh, at the moment. So we will keep you up to date, viewers. Don't 
uh, listeners. Don't you worry about that. Catters is well and truly across every tennis player's (laughs) Instagram account. Um, That I am, my friend. And it is is interesting. Do you think that they both know that they're both going after Kyrgios or is it a parent trap situation where they think they're (laughs) given his multiple personalities they think he is triplets indeed or what (laughs) oh I think he's got some plan cooked up and I'm sure he has thought it through very carefully (laughs) as our Nick tends to Uh, I mean he's just flying high after the greatest week of his life so um (laughs) Well, listeners, we need to leave it there. So much in store. But don't forget, you're going to hear from us throughout the US Open. So be ready, be listening, and follow along through our Instagram account and through Facebook. And make sure you review and subscribe on iTunes. It will help us out. Yeah, a couple of things on that, Lightning. I just had to say, keep an eye on the Instagram account. We have over a 1,000 followers now, which we're so grateful for. Mm. Thank you, everybody who's following us. And I will post... Uh, an image in the coming days of what caught my eye a couple of weeks ago, which is the official Hamburg Open trophy, which I know I sent to you the other oh, night. You yes. probably got it in the middle of the, the night in Australia and thought you were dreaming when you saw what can only be described as as if someone had just vomited metal into some sort of... Like, it is honestly like seeing uh, 3D graffiti. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a Tesseract or something from a Marvel comic. Uh, it just did not look like from this world. And uh, so that image is unbelievable and we will post it in the coming days. And Lightning, also I wanted to quickly mention that if you go onto iTunes and give us a five-star review and a rating and... Your comments will then be read out on air in our forthcoming podcast episodes. We just want to ratchet up on audience participation. We love it engaging with you. I'm sure you're reluctant engaging with us, but we just figured that when that libel court case comes through, that if we can just kind of spread the blame across as many individuals (laughs) as possible, it might be a good move for us. So it's a strategic one, and we thank you for partnering with us. Well said, Cutters. So come along for the journey. Be a backhander and follow us through Instagram and through Facebook. Until next time, you'll hear from us again very shortly as the Us Open is upon us. But until then, don't forget, quiet please.